Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, everybody, we want to take a second to talk to you about an amazing sponsor. We have an amazing relationship with RayAllen.com. Ray Allen is a one-stop shop for everything dog, not just working dogs. Everything dog that you need, you can go down there, check them out, RayAllen.com. Awesome people. They got everything you need. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with a dog trip. They've been with us from the start. Uh, great callers, great ball poppers, great GPS tracking, big dog, small dog, bark collars, everything. I got everything like that they have at the kennel. We use it every day. Be sure to head them up, dogtrip.com. Listen for a discount code later in the episode. Hey, guys, it's going to happen. August 16th through the 19th, HITS is coming back. The HITS Canine Conference in Orlando, Florida, August 16th through the 19th. Get on there. It's the biggest, the best. Check it out. Hitscanine.net. Hitscanine.net. Get registered now. Take the guesswork out of making sure you're feeding your working dog correctly by using Kinetic Dog Food. Hit them up at kineticdogfood.com and look them up on the Instagrams at kineticdogfood. Take all the guesswork out and do it right from the beginning. We love Horizon Structures. Dude, this stuff is so awesome, man. You can get online. You can talk to them. You could build it you want from mild to wild. They'll come bring it to your place, set it down on your pad, hook up your power, hook up your water, and you can put dogs in it that day. If you don't believe me, check out some guys like uh, Justin Rigney. He's got a great setup there. Ask him. Check him out, horizonstructures.com. All right, guys, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite back at uh, Blue Line Conference here in downtown Pittsburgh. Sun's actually out. I don't know if it's supposed to make 55 today. I don't know if it will. We'll see. It's uh, still cold, though. Um, we're here in the uh, the, <clears throat> the podcast room with a haunted toilet. We, uh, <laughs> if you listen to some of these episodes, you may hear a toilet gurgle in the background. It just flushes randomly or out, out of nowhere. So uh, who knows? It's connected to all the plumbing in this building, apparently. 21 floors go right into the bathroom in exactly. the room we're in. So, um, yeah, we're just down here um, having fun. With me, as always, is my co-host, Ted Summers. Ted, what's going on? Not a lot. Uh, we're It's like herding chickens right now, getting everybody. Because <laughs> everybody wants to go to classes. And then so in between classes, there's not a lot of people out. And then when you're out of class, it's like a fucking shit show. And so um, our next guest is somebody that actually has been on the short list for not a not a short time um and his name keeps coming up um for different topics but he's here instructing um a uh building search tactics class and the building search stuff is something that we do a lot at hrds uh it's a lot i do we do tons of building searches during our maintenance trainings and it's something we do a lot um i know eric does a lot and there are a myriad and multitude of ways and it's one of those topics that i think kind of gets uh, lost a lot, especially when you add a dog to the mix. So today we have from Greenville, South Carolina, we have Doug Wanamaker. Doug, how are you? Hey, how's everything going? Thanks for having me on. Blue yeah. Line's an awesome conference, awesome podcast. Uh, yeah, like I said, came to Blue Line for handlers, by handlers. Uh, that's what mm -hmm. was um, true and blue. And I, I started my career at the Greenville County Sheriff's Office in 1999. Uh, basically, uh, I had two years on the road. They're like, here's a dog. Here's two mm -hmm. weeks of training. 
Yes. Two go, weeks. Two weeks. Go ha- go out and uh, those ninety nine. Those those were yeah. Clint, those were Clinton weeks. Those yeah, were, that was so three weeks. I, I, yeah. Three it, weeks. Long two weeks. Uh, I, I had a very good trainer who basically said, "Hey, we're, we're going to get everything through. Went through maintenance. We built our own program. So we ended up at the end of my career having about twenty three dogs all the way through, having uh, multiple dogs, multiple utility dogs, explosive dogs. How many did you have when you got yours? Uh, at that point, we only had two. So you so, went from two to twenty-three. Uh, yeah, yeah. Over Holy that span. Well, I was going to say Greenville County is not the same as it used to be. No, no, it is. It is. <laughs> that when we look up. at it, it has blown up. Uh, I, I'm originally from New Jersey. I call myself a refugee uh, because <laughs> from the liberal uh, media. So now I'm down in uh, South Carolina for good. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's nice down there. Yeah. So uh, you spent twenty-three. You said twenty-three years there. Yeah, I did uh, twenty-one years, uh, and then I bought five years, so I made it to the end line and got my retirement. So I get my vested check and. Now I work at Astro Kennels uh, doing the same thing I did for the Greenville County Sheriff's Office, training up some dogs. Hell yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of mutual friends. Um, you know, guys, I have dogs down south that, that have come over and you mess with them. And they got, I think they've been, uh, it, we'll get into that. You've done some evaluation on them, you know, their certifications and things like that. But um, so, yeah, we've, all the guys are like, you got to talk to Doug. And I keep yeah. hearing this rumor every once in a while that I think he might be retiring. And I go, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know that that's a real thing. <laughs> no, in the dog world, it's no retiring. Now I just don't get shot at. Now I get to train people how to dodge the bullets. That's the, that's the best part. You can't see me, but being 5'3", it's really easy to get behind stuff. <laughs> yeah, just need a taller person. That's yeah, all. that is true. You got a vest on good, Stan here. <laughs> so what, um, let's, let's uh, talk about your history as a handler, like you had, um, how many dogs you end up working when you're done? I ended up working a two main, but since being the, the trainer and supervisor of the unit, anybody that left, I maintained them. Uh, we did our own in-house training. We always did 600 hours minimum training. Then we had a massive uh, FTO program with that. So we were getting the dogs ready for the road. We never trained for certification. Certification's easy. If you can't yeah. certify coming out of basic class, you got some issues. So our big thing was always yeah. scenario-based training, uh, making it making it so you can survive the street. I mean, yet in all, all, all my bites throughout my career, I never had somebody stand up. They were always either passive, hiding, doing mm-hmm. something else, some mm-hmm. of the active combatives, but majority of our stuff, we, we, have to, we have to be able to be a cop first. And that's what I see lacking in our industry right now, people that want to be the, the cops that go in and, and use the dog as that tool. That's uh, one thing that I, well, many, uh, there's several things people call Tedisms that I repeat all hmm. the time. And I have to remind dudes all the time, you're a cop first and a handler second. And do cop shit first, and then do canine handler shit second. And a lot of that gets lost in the wash. We have a couple of scenarios at HRD that specifically like address that idea. And it's interesting to watch some guys, uh, some handlers, like how that, like you can watch them, the prioritization go down the checklist, and you can see which checklist they're running. And sometimes it's not the right one. <laughs> No, and like I said, I lack our industry for that because we're, we're gearing people up for certification, which isn't the street. We need to get that that street mentality in. Uh, my adage is, and day one of class is, hey, do you want to be a cop with a dog and drive a cop around and be an Instagram handler, or do you want to be mm-hmm. a canine handler and master your craft? We uh, we had we had uh, worthless handler and den mother on, and we had the whole TikTok. Talk. I got mad. I got <laughs> <angry>. freaked out. <laughs> so, so yeah, so here you're doing. Um, the building search tactics. So talk a little bit about that class and what you're addressing in that. In that, uh, in that class, I'm basically teaching imprinting to finishing up your dog for street tactics. 
uh, in the industry, especially vendors, and when you get these green handlers, we're not teaching handlers life skills right off the get-go. We're right. so focused on the dog. So I basically brought into this class how to, how to change our training scars. We all had them. I knew I had them when I first started at K9. Send the dog, run right down the dog's ass to get to him to help build that dog up. A little twist in my philosophy and my little module training is I got plenty of trainers. I have that guy cut. Uh, I basically have him get up, step off line, draw his weapon, because if you're going to deploy an intermediate weapon, let's get that lethal force up. I mean, let's get it on the box. Let's point it at his head. Get out of that habit, staring that dog down so we reduce dogs getting shot in the line of duty from friendly fire. We're also mm -hmm. getting lethal up, and we're training the officer. We're still training the dog at the same time. We're just having another person go down to join the fight and help build that dog up, but we're, we're modularly breaking those little training scars. Uh, and I see a lot of them through the industry. I mean, and I, th I honestly yeah. think it, it bleeds over because of certification, because we're, we're training officers how to certify, not actually work the street safely. Well, you can tell, so at this conference, I think there's three or four building search people training, teaching building searches. So it's definitely <clears throat> super important. Of my four dogs, I worked at probably, I think 80 street bites between all four of them. Maybe three were running, three or four that I remember were running. Yes, they're in buildings. Yeah, majority. Like I said, I mean, you got people that are hiding. We're using them for what we need to do: locating tools. Uh, my big adage in my whole thing is the 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 dog's a pole cam on steroids. I mean, we, we're mm -hmm. using his sense of smell, we're using his sight, we're watching the dog. But years and years, and it took me a long time working, realizing I'm not paying attention to the creature that's going to save my life. So I started to incorporate more tactics up front getting somebody holding lethal for me so I could watch my pole cam. Get that pole cam. He's telling me. I'm watching him work odor. I'm watching him trace. And we're getting a lot more of the proximity alerts to give information back to my cover. So we're reducing the amount of force now because we're able to read it and challenge it versus be surprised all of a sudden the dog's latched onto somebody. One of the principles that I use to teach handlers tracking, well, tracking and building searches, uh, and the dogs also, and I teach them this in this order. I say the dogs are going to default to their eyes, their ears, and their nose in that order. And those all look different. And, you know, we spend a lot of time teaching the handlers that, and when we do tactical tracking seminars, we spend a lot of time teaching, like, the backup guys and the guys with them, like, what that looks like also. But, I, I mean, you're 100% correct. And, like, a, a lot of times I think dudes, like, run up to the building, they make an announcement, they send the dog in, the dog's out of control, he's acting like a fucking idiot, bouncing, barking, doing whatever, lunging at any backup guy, and it's clear that the dog doesn't understand in that context anyway that I want you to go in and find somebody. It doesn't necessarily mean that, one, you're going to find anybody and bite him, and, two, it doesn't necessarily mean there's anybody in there. But the dogs are just so fucking spun up all the time that it it quickly – forces tactics that are sloppy and forces people into decisions and in, in situations that they shouldn't be in or don't need to be in. No, and that and that's my whole point. When I got into starting to teach it and slow it down for the younger handlers and, and the handlers that aren't trainers, they get this dog and they got a smaller agency barely making the 16 hours. I mean, they're like, yeah, yep. I get eight hours a month. I'm like, you have a pretty good dog for eight hours a month. I was <laughs> blessed. My, my unit, we had 32. We had uh, wow. every day. We had 32 hours. So, I mean, I bless that sheriff for giving that uh, blessing to us. But I teach a lot of stuff. We have to own real estate. This is not so. I'm a big long line guy. You have to, if you don't train your dog in the beginning on a long line, don't expect to work them on a long line. And if you don't train your dog off leash, don't expect them to work off leash. So yes. you, ha you have two schools of thought. You need to be able to do both. I mean, we're professionals, and we need to have that craft where we can master both off-leash and on-leash. Uh, but pretty much, I, I train. You're using that long line for a form of communication. All my lines are, are marked out. I come through. I can read 
the, how deep the room is, how far the dog goes, and I'm controlling the fatal funnel, and I'm owning real estate, so I'm going home at night. That's it. You know, um, <clears throat> South Carolina, even is in the South, is still the East Coast, right? We have found from training all over the country that the East Coast really uses long lines and lines a lot more than other places. We were down yeah. in Texas. There's no leash at all. The D.C. metro area, a lot of those places are off-leash, full-time off-leash. So um, you, you throw a leash into the mix, and they're like, what is this foreign object? Or you throw you some of the dogs, like on the East Coast, uncoup a, them. you unclip the leash, and the handler and the dog both freak the fuck out. They'll look like, at the leash. So just... and they're <laughs> like, uh, And all of a sudden, you know, and and... You know, I teach our guys too. like that depend. A lot of the leash are using not the leash for a building search, like depends entirely on threat conditions. It depends on the call, depends on what it depends on a multitude of things. But I hate the terms always and never like because dudes like, oh, we always use a leash. I'm like, you always use one. They're like, oh, we never. I'm like, you never use one. And, we'll, we'll and that PD. is the funny part. You get the never. They always like, guys, come on. You have to have both. You have to master the craft. I uh, think Worcester, Mass. They're they're a busy department. They bite Beebs, a lot of people. Dan. They are required leash all time. They're no, no lawful leash ever. Never. That's the only one I've ever heard of. Yeah. And yeah. it's and it's caused them some problems. Oh, yeah. I can see it. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, if you only have so many uh, feet on your uh, leash, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're outside that leash, you're going to give yourself up. So definitely see an issue with saying never and before. Uh, but it's one of those things where I think we lose in our, our industry, to be honest with you, what's the difference between a building, a search, and a track? And that's what right. I tell my students. I, really nothing except mm. one has walls. Yeah, right. So I okay. say the same thing. I go to a tracking seminar, and dudes are like, oh, he doesn't like to track. I'm like, yeah, but he has building searches, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, you know that's the same odor, right? <laughs> Yeah, you're like, like, yeah. <laughs> you know it's the same thing. Yeah, you just don't like to walk that mile and a half, two yeah. miles. We'll cover exactly. with you. Uh, so for those of you guys watching on YouTube, you're like, who's the random dude sitting at the table that's not talking to anybody? That's my brother Sean. He lives and works here in downtown Pittsburgh, so he was able to come over and hang out for a few minutes uh, on his work day. So, anyways, when because people are like, well, you brought a guy on, he didn't talk. So yeah, that happens. But uh, so. One of the things we see at maintenance training days is guys that believe that that's just for the dog, right? We're going to do this. How do you address or what kind of scenario type stuff do you set up for the handler specifically? Because we do, we do one we call brown hole. Like don't chase the dog's brown hole to your death basically is the concept. But uh, how, how do you address that? The guys that, that this, this is a handler episode, this one here. Yeah. When you, when you look at it, it's simple twists. I give them, like, we get there, we sit, yeah, if you have a big training group, 20, 30 people, well, I love building searches. We get out, we give our three warnings, and we're running in. I'm like, well, is that operational, guys? Are you operationally doing that? They're like, no, we're waiting five, 10 minutes. Okay, guys, talk about lunch. Get your dogs out, sit mm -hmm. around the building. That's one simple little trick. It's gonna make admin love you because they're gonna think you're actually doing something, but you're still talking about lunch, but your dog's mm -hmm. getting the training. So it's, it's a win-win for both the dog and the handler. So we do the same thing. We start setting up the scenarios right off the get-go. They don't know what it's about. The biggest uh, demise of canine is canine guys train with canine guys, which is a good thing. However, we need to get agencies involved, get on your, on your shift level and start bringing them in for a shift and actually get cover. Because that's where the dogs start lacking it. Because canine guys are pretty squared away. They understand when a dog's off leash to act a certain way. They don't have that rookie who's the best decoy ever that decides yes. to flinch. And the dog's like, thank you. And mm -hmm. then we try to blame the dog when really it was lack of training on our aspect for the agency. So I always tried to bring in and, and offer overtime for other platoons to come in and shifts to actually work with the dogs. So one thing that, that comes from that, and I was bad about it myself because I worked in a pretty violent city. And... 
it was i would i'll just do it myself i'm just gonna go search this building me and my dog you guys hold the perimeter because you're an idiot and you're an idiot and you're both you're all gonna get bit because and there was no training no coming to training with us but then that's stupid it's absolutely the dumbest thing ever because we we've found people in these buildings and bit them and i'm like oh man i need i should have had somebody with me yeah but you also your academy didn't teach people how to clear buildings no we we also didn't do that no and in this day and age everything's changed i mean you really think about it swat tactics patrol tactics are merging but even in my 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 uh, class this week here i literally showed them pictures of me climbing through a hole i was the shortest guy with the biggest dog took my vest off not the smartest i said guys mm-hmm. Don't be in a hurry to die. I mean, we got all day. We can do with this. So that, that's why I tell most people, slow it down. Same rules apply once you have a dog. It's it, everything. I love it when I teach supervision courses and everything else. It's a unicorn. It's amazing that we get a dog and all of a sudden we can leave stuff in our right hand. We can actually use the force more than we can use an aspiton. And, and it's one and the same. You have to justify your stuff. It's not a unicorn. Because you have a dog doesn't make it any different as a force implementation. One thing that Ted and I have talked to a lot of guys about, and is this whole thing too is um i we just use the same building i can't get buildings i can't get buildings and he's heard it from his from people that he's trained with i hear it every time and i'm like you're a cop with a dog they want you to come use their place but guys don't talk to anybody no. So they go to the same place, the same old school or someplace all the time. And, it, and it's hard to get buildings, but I mean, it's really easy. Go to the apartment complexes, go in, somebody's moving out, somebody's getting evicted. They're going to have stuff in there. Go, hey, before we go in, we know you're going to put a fresh thing of paint in. Go simply to all your apartment complexes. The other one, get to know your real estate agents. I mean, the best, the best defense on copper thieves in the state of South Carolina is a <laughs> training group that comes out. <laughs> yeah, the building that I have, I call it the Fun House. It's a huge, uh, used to be a Diebold office building. It's like 40,000 square feet. And um, so I have it all tricked out for all kinds of canine stuff. And I don't really pay that much. The owner of the building who owns most of the downtown area, he just wants people kept out of there. I'm like, as soon as we start bringing dogs and cars around here, there will be no one. Well, my landlord that owns the kennel, uh, owns about $40 million of the property around the kennel and it's commercial and residential and they're constantly flipping houses and stuff. And I have the access to all of those buildings. And he, when we started leasing there, he was like, you mean you're going to have cops here? I'm like, yeah, a lot. He was like in patrol cars. I'm like, yeah, of course. Cause in the last episode we just recorded cause Tulsa has a lot. I mean, that's where live PD is filmed a lot. <laughs> right. So, and right in where my kennel's at. So like I play the game, I'm going to be on live PD or I'm going to sit inside and watch it. So, uh, so he's like, oh, yeah, they're all about it. So we're constantly having training days and training groups. I'll have like six or eight patrol cars out in front of a, a house that they're redoing. And nothing scatters hood rats. Like. Mm. <laughs> so we have definitely had less problems with a landlord told me, he's like, I've had less problems with having to board buildings up since you guys have been over here. I'm like, I bet. Yeah. I'm, I mean, so that's the easiest way to do it. Like you said, real estate agents. It is. Operationally, find out where you're training. Get your training groups. Go. And I love it. I have nowhere to track. I'm like, how do you guys have nowhere to track? How many gas stations? I mean, I can see. I, can, I mean, go. I mean, I just really like. I can see if you're a handler in L.A. They don't track anyway. Like, yeah. But <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I can see that. But like, my, I'm in South Carolina. They're like, I don't have anywhere to track. I'm like, guys, there's a gas station right around the corner. Follow the guy that just left. Leave your toy. Go. You got an unknown track layer. This is not hard. It's not rocket science. South Carolina is a pro- popular state anymore. But they still have open areas. They still have. Yes, it, it's getting slower in my in Greenville. Uh, Our business Greenville partner area. Ray lives down there. He lives down in Charleston, and he lives out on a damn horse farm. There's a ton of places. He oh lives yeah. His horse farm backs up to like 16,000 acres or something yeah. ridiculous. They got plenty of room to track. So one of the things you mentioned early on um, that 
that we talk, we've talked about a lot of people's training scars. So if you go to another group or whatever, what are some of the building search wise, the biggest training scars that you see? The biggest ones I see are, I'm a big believer in having a reactionary gap and working away from that fatal funnel and look at your, your point of cover. I mean, we get guys and, and girls and handlers that just walk straight up. I'm like, that's great. Do we really do that in real life? No, we pull back. We get sucked in. And I tell guys, when you're a canine handler, you're in charge of that scene operationally. SWAT teams come in, they control the inner perimeter. Why aren't we doing the same? So that's number one. Don't fall in the trap that they say that's the open door. Pull back. Start 15 feet away. Give warnings. I mean, for us, I tell them, guys, a PA is a hell of a lot louder than you are. So we, we start actually from being that professionalism, setting it off, setting that body camera up, that 30-second gap is killing a lot of officers because they're hitting it when they get right out of the car and stuff's immediately happening and we're doing the right stuff, but it's not catching what we're saying. And then there's doubt. Well, let's stop the doubt. Well, the, the, the call starts, number one, I teach. That call comes in, it's radioed over that radio. Hit your body camera. Let's be professional. Get your thoughts on camera. Then get out. Uh, and, and I'm a big proponent on getting out, being 15 feet away, starting your whole deployment on your on your shorter line your four or six foot line uh, i i still go to agencies and they're coming out with a, a 15 foot line i'm like do you realize if something really bad happens you've got a tagline that you're going to get caught in that's ridiculous so we're 15 feet away minimum and it works out if you modulate train the handler 15 feet away for a building search 15 feet away for an area search and tracking it's kiss keep it simple stupid because mm-hmm. I can I can train them and I can pattern train them as well. So it's a 15 feet away. So they have that reactionary gap. I want that reactionary gap so they can actually make a decision. Is it a friendly? Is it a biteable offense? Is it a weapon? And we, we have the ability to move left and right and, and be able to either press the fight or retreat if needed. We, uh, I, I, and I say this at HRDs and I say this to my handlers. I'm like, you're a canine handler, not a canine announcement maker. You don't have to make the announcement. I mean, it has to be made, but it doesn't have to come from you. And I, because dudes have a habit, uh, there was a video that came out from San Diego of, uh, what was it, last month, you see that, where um, they had that Asian chick with a knife. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there was county and city standing there, everybody standing in the doorway. She ended up stabbing two dudes. (laughs) Dog bit one of the backup guys. She ended up getting smoked, crossfire situation. I was like, holy shit. And to their credit, they really, really tried to de-escalate that whole thing, but... It's one of those where I think everybody wants to get and fill quickly. And um, when we teach some of those seminars where we do like some of the like the SWAT stuff, uh, I'll, I'll have guys. I'm like, when we start making announcements, one, they already know you're there. It's not like you're going to fucking surprise anybody. And, I'll, and I tell handlers, I'm like, you got a hundred foot line for a reason. Send him up to the fucking door and wait down him and then go up to the dog. And they're like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm like, how do you know there's not somebody standing right behind the door? Because he was shooting through the door a minute ago. <laughs> And it is, and it's simple little twists that you can do. I mean, that's the same thing when I, the other training scars we were talking about. I, I love all the sporting guys that teach uh, stuff and they haven't been a police officer, uh, but we, we start training handlers early on in vendor schools and everything else. It's okay to have a toy in your right hand. It's okay. If you're already going and you're getting out of your, your school and you still need to put a, your right hand with a ball or whatever toy you have on your left side, it's time to rethink that you're not ready for the street. So let's get <laughs> How that. I tell um, supervisors... Um, and my canine handlers, I tell them, I, I say, if you can't clear a building at a low ready with that dog, he is not ready to work operationally. I would agree with that, 100% on that. And I mean, I, it really, it's, you still need to be able to be a cop. And a lot of times, I mean, Eric's seen it too. You see dogs that, uh, guys, as soon as they grab their their pistol, dogs start freaking out. Like, I'm like, if you can't, 
if you have to index that to keep him from freaking out, you have a problem. So, you know, when oh, we train a lot with Sims and blue guns and everything else, so the dogs are used to, and they're used to me during detection work. And some of my trainers have firearms. We're constantly like indexing, indexing. So they hear the click all the time. They're used to us pulling it, pulling it. And at some point the dogs just kind of are like, whatever. And they don't really care anymore. Yeah. And, and that's what, I mean, just in our philosophy of how I train my odor, that's what I'm starting to do. I'm starting when they're hunting for odor and I'm imprinting gunfire around. They're getting you. I kit everybody out. You come to my training school at Astro Canine, you're going to learn how to do push-ups, sit-ups, run. <laughs> you're, I mean, that, that's punishment. And it's not corporal punishment because I do it with you. It's my exercise for the day. Uh, but you're going to wear a kit because that's what the dog's going to get to seeing. I, the, you're not wearing shorts at my place. I don't care. You're welcome to South Carolina. It sucks. You're you're gonna yeah, you're gonna no hit, training shorts. <laughs> not, no. not for me. No. I don't let so the guys come in shorts. You'll I I it'll be interesting to hear what you think about this. So one thing that since you're a long line guy, and I am too, like I use a long line all the time. And uh not me. I mean I'll use like a fifteen or a twenty foot for like detection work for just handling dogs in general around the kennel. Um but the one thing uh that Eric and I both harp on handlers a lot is line handling and leash management. And it goes back to what you just said, you gotta be a cop first and during tracking most of my guys have light mounted or uh, pistol mounted lights. And I'm like, you've got to always, cause I constantly am telling handlers, if you're listening to this, you know, to my handlers, how many times have I told you you're not a fucking cowboy? Cause they constantly want to coil their leash and coil their leash and play with the leash. And it is one of the habits that dudes get into that. They just don't think about It's almost like they're fidgeting. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it does. I, th- I think it's actually a nervous response personally, especially with newer handlers. Right off the get-go, I start breaking it. I'll slap their hands. I'll get them out. But it's learning how to line strip. It's learning to actually yep. hold a different line. When I first got into the law enforcement, they told me to hold the line under my uh, over my thumb. I'm like, okay. And I did that for years because it's what mm-hmm. I was taught. And I developed it, and I started to think about this. I'm like, if I get in a fist fight right now, and my dog's on a long line, he's missed a guy because of a positive negative pressure room, and he's 15 feet out, and I have to go into combat, and I have to put hands on somebody, holding this leash this way is retarded. So I hold it completely different. I hold it over my index finger. I can still make a, a, a fish strike. I can actually hit it with, and keeping my wrist in battery, that's massive for me. But holding it the way I was originally taught, I'll, I'll break my wrist. I won't have power behind it. And I, I need to have that power. And dudes, and one of the tricks that I use, if you're listening to this and you feel find yourself doing it, just touch your firearm. Like, cause it's, that, on the, it's the opposite side. It's always your opposite side. And when we're tracking, I'm constantly having guys, like if we come around stand of trees, we come up around buildings. So we come up to corners. I have dogs down and I'm like, get your fucking firearm out and get ready as you come around the corner. And then if it's dark and then index it, if it's clear and that way, cause they're constantly fucking with the leash and, and it's, it, it's an art that handlers don't actually, uh, they, they don't they, they're not masters of their craft when we first got in law enforcement what did we do mag changes tactical reloads mm-hmm. we did everything combat we practice that we don't do that with the leash that's one of the big things there's no downtime when i when i walk away i'm like guys you can do line stripping right over there and i pair up the handlers you're gonna go you're gonna do it even even seasoned handlers when i start having handlers that have issues we go back to the basics handlers need that i mean go through hey guys you may not need a dog you got a personal dog at home you got a kid they love that shit. just <laughs> put it on kid. your kid and just Take let him, him go mall. out <laughs> just don't yank him too hard mom's not gonna like that so um, we'll back up here a little bit, talk about the certification stuff. Um, so you, you do certifications, national certifications. I do them for the state and everything like that. <clears throat> you have those agencies that you'll go to, not, not in your training group, but another group, whatever, but they're still certification mentality. Their admins are that way, they're that way, but we're trying to get them introduced to scenarios and stuff. So what would you... 
how do you kind of break them of that mentality or do you try to add? So one of the things I'll do for guys are like, I got certification coming up. You know, I don't really want to do this wild, crazy, insane, you know, throwing the dog through the drywall and all this other stuff. But what I'll do is we'll do something and then I'll have them do a verbal out off of something that I normally wouldn't do a verbal out. Is there, do you mix anything basic in with stuff to kind of, it's, it's just a way to keep a dog's at that stupid level. Well, when, when I look at it, I really go back and they don't know I'm doing it, but all my scenarios, it's certification, it's control. So, I mean, they're like, Oh, I don't want you're, you're not doing anything crazy. You're, you're doing a building search. You go in, he's out of sight. You're behind cover out your dog. And what's funny after you build the handler's confidence, they're usually like, wow, I didn't believe in my dog. It's because yeah. <laughs> you've never trusted your dog to do it. So ultimately, like in my basic school, by the time they hit certification, they've done everything in scenario-based. They get the, the uh, certification day. They're like, that was easy. I'm like, yeah, because certification's easy. The road's hard. So that's how I, I build it. And even when I go to the seminars, the state seminars for Napawata, I go in, I'm like, hey, let's do some building search if I'm running that venue. Hey, let's go in. We're going to get a nice... Uh, uh, a barking indication. Okay, now you're going to get the door pop and now do a verbal out. Okay, now this time this person runs in. You just did a terminate the chase. The only thing we didn't do was a handler pat down. I mean, mm -hmm. you just did the whole cert minus gunfire. And, and, and it's really easy once you start teaching them how to actually do a training day and, right. and not break it down in such basic modules, break it down into a deployment module that incorporates everything. My favorite thing always is if... And we used to do this at uh, HRD. We put the dogs in real weird positions. We're like, okay, now you're going to verbally out your dog on this. And they're like, oh, he's not going to do it. And then they out, and they out every time. The handler's like, oh, shit, he, I wasn't ready for that. And they got to reel him back in or their eyes. Or the, he actually let go and came out of the room. I'm like, yeah, that's crazy, right? That's weird how that works. Well, and oh, that trick, though, is line fucking them most of the time. Yeah, they're, right. they're constantly pulling. I'm like, would you stop? Like, and no, then they want to pull, pull him yeah. off. You're not going to pull him off fucking bite. So just stop pulling and he'll out. No, he won't. They, and he outs every time and they turn and look at me and I'm like, what are you looking at me for? Call him back. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit of line control <laughs> goes a long way. Yeah, it's amazing. It's the same thing. We do the same thing. The rafter bites, let him go. I'm like, but he's not going to, he's not going to down. I'm like, he's going to let go of the bite. And mm -hmm. that's what we're going to do. I mean, it, it is simple stuff that goes in. It's just building up confidence of handlers. All right. We love the Perkinsons down in uh, North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. They are great people, great trainers. They got a good business model. They're awesome folks. We've been with them for a long time. Uh, they're also super smart. And they understand that a lot of agencies are struggling to have manpower. So they're not sending people away for training. You guys have been there. You know, you put in denied lack of manpower. So they've created an online course section of their website, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. You get on there under training, the online course. But here's the best thing is they offer a supervisor, canine supervisor course, which we know a lot of uh, police canine supervisors don't get to go to training. They don't know as much as they should right here online. Uh, the course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs and handlers, proper deployment, effective allocation and utilization, as well as liability and the FLSA issues, which we know is where all the legal stuff comes from interdepartmental. Uh, the course can be taken at your convenience and you, you will receive a certificate of completion at the end. Uh, they're offering an amazing discount, guys. 30% off using the discount code WDR30. It's a no-brainer. If you're a police supervisor and you guys have manpower issues, you can't go get on tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com under the training tab. Get on that supervisor's course, man. I'm telling you, it's a smart decision. 
Another one of our favorite partnerships with the podcast here is the one and only Dogtra. The Dogtra guys have been producing some amazing tools in the dog training world for a long time. Everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball trainers. If it's electric and you use it with a dog, they've probably done it. They're the best. They are revolutionizing the way you communicate with the dog. I use it daily, whether I'm using pets. Uh, I use the 200C on most of our pets. Uh, most of my patrol guys will use a 1900 hands-free, 1900S hands-free. And then I use the ball popper pretty much daily with all of our detection dogs for imprinting on our box protocols. So hit them up at Dogtra Official on Instagram and Facebook. And then you've got Dogtra.com. And when you go there, if you use the discount code WDR10, they'll give you 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. So if you're looking at a 1900S or that Ball Popper Pro or one of those things, it'll knock a substantial chunk off there. So hit them up, doctor.com, WDR10. So everybody knows that Ted and I uh, not only train police dogs, we train pet dogs, right? We train dogs. So it's why our relationship with Ray Allen manufacturing is so important. They've, these guys have been doing this so long. They knew and they understand that dogs are dogs and it's not just working dog people that need things for their dog and dog training. So you go to rayallen.com. They have everything dog related that you need. Anything that when it comes to dogs, pet dogs, your pet training dogs, police dogs, dogs you're training for, other departments, anything you need, rayallen.com. Uh, they've got it. You can get on there. So if you're ordering stuff for police dogs and if you have a pet side, you can get it all in one, man. They ship it out. Got a nice big box full of a whole bunch of stuff. There's nothing better than getting a big box of dog training stuff in the mail. They also are great to us and they offer a discount code Working Dog Radio, all capital letters, Working Dog Radio for 10% off. Check them out, rayallen.com. Great people. Ted and I use them every day. Super excited to have American Aluminum Accessories on board with us here at the podcast. These guys manufacture a wide variety of products from high quality cam locker toolboxes to an extensive line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law, the law enforcement community. Around 1992, due to the demand for safe and secure transport for a local law enforcement agency's canine unit, they introduced the very first in-vehicle Easy Rider canine container. So it was basically what we now call just our inserts. They have continuously grown and expanded uh, the products, catering to the needs and the wants of their valued customers and high-profile clientele, and catering specifically to law enforcement. Over the years, as the needs have changed for law enforcement, they've evolved and expanded the products to include inmate transport systems, the canine training aids, which I use quite a bit of, canine inserts. Most of, every one of my guys has one of those things. And you know, you if you're not even have to be in law enforcement, I have several friends that are civilians that work. <laughs> lots of dogs that have the inserts put into their cars too so if you got one that fits you can do it uh they also do contraband and animal control systems just to name a few so be sure to hit them up the website is easy rider online so that's the letter e the letter z as in zebra rideronline.com if you're looking for them on instagram and facebook it's american aluminum accessories feel free to hit them up there too so our first and oldest sponsor that's been with us from the beginning is Arno out, out at ALM, uh, out there in, in Las Vegas area. Arno is a great dude. He makes great stuff for, for police work and sport work, suits, tugs. I'm telling you right now, his tugs are the best in the business. You can't get any better. Multiple colors. Uh, I, I buy boxes of them from him, give them out to everybody. 
Uh, I've got a bite suit from him. Love it. I've had it for a little over three years and it's holding up like a champ. Um, Ted's got a suit that he's had forever from ALM. Uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else, man. We love it. Arno is such a good dude. His uh, ALM K9equipment.com is the website. Get on there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom suits based on your measurements. Um, he's got stuff already already made up. If you kind of get a kind of generic large size, maybe for everybody, the colors he has, man, is really cool. He can put a lot of stuff on those suits. Uh, check him out, ALM K9equipment.com and use the discount code WD radio for 10% off. You know, running a kennel is one of those things that I always worry about is cleanliness and safety of dogs. And it's, it seems like it's an ever changing issue being able to house dogs and move things around everything else. So the guys at horizon structure make this as easy as possible. Literally the only thing you have to do is have water and power hookups and they deliver it and you can put dogs in that day and it's comes built comes on a trailer they just drop it off you plug it in put dogs in it and you're ready to rock you keep them clean you keep them safe you keep them cool in the summer and warm in the winter time and it's completely custom you can go complete mild to wild i've seen some that were stainless steel all the way from top to bottom on the inside and then i've seen some for a, a bulldog breeder that you know had smaller gates because those things can't jump so if you reach out to them uh, they're sitting there waiting for you to call and help you through the custom design process. They have everything from two dog ones up to, uh, I want to say like 18 or 20. It's a lot of, you can put a lot of dogs, indoor, outdoor runs. So anything you've ever dreamed of, they've got it, or have done it or can do it. So they've taken all the guesswork out of building it. Everything is pre-done to your specifications that it's assembled, dropped off, boom, you're ready to rock. These things are amazing. Uh, Rigney has one. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Go check out his Instagram and you can see he's posted it up there before. Go look Horizon up at Horizon Structures, spelled out uh, on the internet. It's horizonstructures.com. And you're going to look for the link in there that says commercial dog kennels. Or give them a call, 888-447-4337. They'd love to talk to you and get you started on the way. So you train a lot of dogs. You guys got a lot of dogs coming to you. Uh, where did where did the name Astro come from? Astro came from it's a family business, so the Mylans basically came in A for Astro, and so it went in the phone book as Astro, and it's been developed. <laughs> so Astro is a, a full service kennel. I mean, we do uh, pet side, we do day boarding, uh, we do the working dog side. So we're kind of a, a bigger organization. We're actually yeah. franchising uh, the actual all the portions of it right now. Where do you see us canine industry headed? The canine industry, if videos keep on coming out, we're going to have a hard time with some of these bites coming out. Uh, and so that's I, I think that's why I love Blue Line here. We're out here with professionals teaching teaching the craft. It's we have We're going down a fork right now in society. If we take the wrong fork, the use of force is going to be reduced. So we have to start making smart decisions. Uh, the, the industry in itself with the dogs, they're better now than when I started. It's just now everything's on camera. Everybody's getting seen. And we have to be that professionalism. We actually have to train people to use the body cameras to our advantage yes. versus our disadvantage. We, uh, we've got a couple of uh, videos in the presentation this afternoon that Eric and I are doing. Um, and there's a concept that we have started working on. Um, I think that's always kind of been operating in the background. Uh, but before everybody was kind of worried about Graham, like, should we bite? Should we not bite? Um, they've been trying to, uh, get around Robinette for 40 years. Um, and every time a dog gets bit, they claim it's lethal force. And we're like six circuit, shut up. And, and I, I, I have, uh, a, a, a presentation from a, uh, 
plaintiff's attorney symposium where they say, like, we just need to keep saying it and eventually it'll happen. And that's kind of their tactic. Well, they finally gave up and now they've started um, claiming excessive time. It constitutes excessive force. So now we have the time on bike clock and there isn't a consistent consensus that has fallen out yet. Not like it is with the Rodriguez violation stuff and that U.S. versus Campbell case, which is a gross perversion of, I think, what they meant. But um, I think you're right. And the forever, everyone's like, oh, we only bite felonies. We only do this. It's that only never shit again. Yeah. And, and it can't be totality yeah. circumstances. Come and, on. Let's, let's sit down and really get to the bed and brother Graham. Totality of circumstances minus if you have a policy issue. Yeah. I mean, that's what policy is going to dictate that. But I completely agree with you. And it's one of those things where um, I think during schools and during some of these things like where we hammer and rightly so they get hammered with Graham and that's all they know, right? Prongs. So they got the three prongs. There should be a fourth one for canine handlers that I kind of like teach our guys. But after the fact, like during the evaluation stuff, and a lot of this goes back to training. So like what Brad Gillespie's talked about, what you're talking about, what Eric and I talk about in HRDs is what happens during the bite and after. Um, and you know, are you evaluating? Are you articulating what's going on and how you're making the determinations and what that looks like? So, um, like for instance, Eric and I stopped teaching people to say, stop fighting the dog. I haven't taught a dude to do that in 10 years. All of our guys say, help me get you cuffed and we'll get this dog off you. Let me cuff you up and I'll take this dog off. And because it looks great on body cam, it shows that you're not having deliberate indifference. So at some point we're going to hit, I think somewhere, I don't know where, but somebody is going to hit it right, and they're going to say, you've got this amount of time given these threat conditions and everything else, and I don't want that to happen. No, I really, I, I mean, and the problem is you have people uh, that sit on a bench making a decision for us, and we're in a rapid revolving situation where that's the problem with it. Uh, so really, if we teach our officers the same thing, we teach them good, mindful tactics that we're using this, we're using the force, number one, to prevent what more injury to the officers yep. and the suspect. But where we lack is the articulation of somebody writing a squared away report. Mm -hmm. That's where we're missing it. I mean, we have to hit this industry with report writing. It's, uh, and, and oh. feelings, we write like cops. It's green eggs and ham. We yeah. need to get our emotions in it. Like I deployed this dog because these are the reasons I was scared that we're using it from a, a, a force multiplier from a distance. Well, then what do we do once we're on the bite? We, we run right to the guy. We're, we're taking away that prong. We're using this dog from a distance, but then we take all our weapons that are on us and bring it to the bad guy. So, I mean, you have to have actions upon contact. You have to train that. That's why certification's easy. You yep. can't out your dog from a distance, call him back to you and challenge this guy to prone out and do anything else, or send your dog, out your dog, reapply force. They're, these are all things that are going to change our industry. I mean, the same thing, long line. I, I mean, I'm a long line guy. You're near weapons opportunity, and I can justify you reaching under a, a bed, a couch, going, I can remove you, extract you from that point just enough, out the dog, you make it, and reapply the force. It's what we do with every other uh, use of force implementation There's a Fifth Circuit case from a couple of years ago, Escobar versus Monty, that specifically mm -hmm. is that exact, that exact scenario, and of course, qualified was granted, but... I mean, they argued excessive and blah, 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 and he was being compliant and whatever. But Dude, no. You know, it's funny is when you say about them writing like cops when they uh, come yeah. on the podcast. Some of them are. <laughs> they, te they, they interview like they're testifying in court. 
Oh yeah, no, and, and it like, comes in. I oh, mean, dude, relax, <laughs> man. And, and, and even when you testify and you go in, and I do some expert witness stuff, and I've been on for four circuit, been helping with expert testimony. Yeah, go in, you tell the facts, and you have fun, and go do it because the truth's the truth. It's not going to change either way. So you yeah. come across and do it. Yeah. So how do we? How do people find you if they're down your area and they want to, or maybe want to bring you around for a building search class? How do they get a hold of you? All they have to do is they can. Uh, I'll give out a uh, phone number. You can give me a call at eight six four nine zero seven fifty seven eighty one. You can get on uh, astrokennels dot com. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're on uh, uh, we're on uh, Instagram. So look us up. All right, full service, and you're franchising, you said. Uh, yes, yes, the, the, the corporation is going to be starting to franchise and get everything else out. So there's some 25-year cops listening to this going, hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's one of those. <laughs> exactly. Hmm, maybe I can make some money. Yeah, so, so it'll work. Hey, it'll man, work Doug, out. thank you for coming on. Well, thank on. you guys for having it. me. Nice to meet you guys, and it was awesome. Nice to meet you. Anything, Ted? No, I, I need a Red Bull. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys, thanks. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.